Welcome to SCI Care, What Really Matters podcast. I am Dr. Jennifer Coker, and I will be your host for this special series we are calling ISCOS 2022 Vancouver Conversations. In this upcoming conversation, Professor Ruth Marshall talks with Praxis Indigenous Peoples Liaison Richard Peter. We hope you enjoy. Well, here we are, and we've just had the first day, and you're wearing a most amazing brooch, which looks to me like it's a spinal cord. Yep, that is our logo from Praxis, so that's yes, who I work with. Um, indeed. And yeah, it's a great design that somebody came up with, with a cross section of, of, yeah, the vertebrae. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. And your role in Praxis is, at least in part, as the Indigenous um, person who provided me with information of how to pronounce the names of the people who own the territory of Vancouver. Yeah, no, it was great to, um, it's always great to share our culture. And yeah, so me as an Indigenous person and also living with an SCI for many yes. years. And so that's where it was great for me to join uh, the Praxis team and, and be part of the Indigenous Liaison. And mm-hmm. so that's been great for me. And then also to, as you mentioned, to, you know, talk about the local communities. And yes. so that was great that we could get a welcome from Hereditary Chief from, yep. from Squamish and the local communities that are always part of what is happening here in Canada and getting the movement going and reconciliation. So that's always yes. now on the forefront of a lot of our topics and events. I think it's at the forefront of all Indigenous groups who are trying to regain some of what they've lost, um, which isn't always easy. But I think that Canada seems to be leading the world in some of that that movement towards recognition, not reconciliation, but recognition of prior ownership. Yeah, it's great to you know be living here in Canada and, and there's always reconciliation and there's always room for improvement. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I've always said. Yes, I do live in a great country, but there's always a lot of um, differences that need to be helped, you know, within healthcare, within within government, within the educational system. And so for me that I've lived through the system also with my spinal cord injury of close to 45 years. Yes. So got, how old were you when you were injured? <laughs> yep. I got injured at a young age. I was only injured when I was five years old. Oh, right. And so that was... Yeah, that was a big challenge for me and my family and my mm. community. Mm. I'm originally from Couch and Tribes, which is on Vancouver Island. Oh, and right, so, okay. Yeah. I went to Vancouver Island and we went up to Campbell River mm-hmm. and went whale watching from there and also bear watching at Butte. And uh, it's truly beautiful. But in the back of my mind, of course, I saw that around Butte, it wasn't exactly what I'd call wheelchair accessible. And nor was getting out in a tiny little boat and skimming the waves. So in Australia, people living with a spinal cord injury in the Indigenous peoples, in our different First Nation groups, um, can find it very, very difficult to return to their home groups, to their own country. Yep, and it, lands. Yeah, yeah, no, you're correct there, Ruth, in that 
it is very different in many different communities, many different countries. We always have similar issues, yep. but research and technology is making great headways. I mean, like when I got injured 45 years ago, you know, the options that I had for a cushion or the options that I had for a wheelchair were, you know, very basic. But now there are hundreds of different options that anybody yes. with an SCI can and, and even sports, adaptive sports and, and recreational oh, yes. activities that, you know, let's say for me, traditionally to go out. Uh, whether it's on, you know, a kayak or, or a canoe. Yes. And, and now there are more adaptive equipment that can make that a bit more easier. Um, yes, and important. Yeah, and so that's, you know, it's tough. Not everybody does have access to that. But, yeah, we're hopefully trying to make that, that it is more available for everybody. And so that's where I'm glad to be part of Praxis and hopefully making that movement continue forward. So have you been to any spinal cord injury conferences before? A few, even when I first started, then yeah, we went down to the uh, Christopher and Dana Reeve conference down in, in Washington. And so that was, again, you know, very new for me. Um, I've always worked within the SCI community and been a peer and a counselor. And so for me, even working at the Geostron, which is the local SCI rehab center. And so that's always, I've always, I always see that I've gotten a lot of assistance to where I'm here today. And so I always want to give back to all my communities and try to make sure that they are given a smoother path than sometimes that I've gone on. And so it's always great to give back to all the communities. It's actually a privilege to be able to give back, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's one of the privileges of having received help and feeling able to then go, uh, give it forward yeah. to I, others. Yeah, I always say that my family should be here too with me. They, they've, you know, made that happen as I got injured in the late 70s. And, and so that was in a small community and so it was a lot of challenge. We don't have as much technology to access any information. And so, you know, I had my family, I had my community of Couch and Tribes, the city of Duncan. I had all of that support to help me succeed. And so that's where, yeah, I've been very fortunate along those lines. Yeah. But we didn't have mobile phones. We didn't have computers. We didn't have much in the way of TV, even. We certainly didn't have lightweight wheelchairs with tires that you could inject with stuff that stop them from going down when they hit the first prickle. Um, so it was very much more difficult than it is now when I can recall writing medico-legal reports and doing costings and saying that people needed to have a mobile phone in the 1990s, that this was a, you know, an emergency system that needed to be funded. We don't even think about that now. Most people who have, who are younger, who have a spinal cord injury, come into hospital with a mobile phone, a tablet, possibly their own television. They want to have a fridge in the corner. Um, there's all this relatively cheap technology and equipment available to them and with the move and it truly helped by the Paralympics I think that has really picked up its game in the last 20 years the increased amount of accessible sport and accessible activities and here in Vancouver even accessible music making yeah. for people who don't have good hand function. 
Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of programs. That's the BAMS, Vancouver Adaptive Music Society, and and yeah, that's it's great to get knowledge of all these different programs and activities. And even that's what I always continue to say that when you're in a larger city, larger community, then that is more accessible. And I want to make sure that people in remote communities are still accessing a lot of these activities too. And and so that's always a bit of a challenge. Yeah, most people might have phones and, and cell phones, but now to make it more adaptable and then make sure that it's you're, you're online because not everybody's got cell service in remote communities. Absolutely. And so, yeah. Absolutely. I, mean, I did the same where I had an old ENJ steel wheelchair when I was a younger <laughs> kid and some of my coworkers will laugh at how long I've been around and and yes. so it's great to say, all right, well, that really did make me stronger. And then, yeah, I had well, to yes, push that are, around. And, there are yeah. negatives and positives, and the negative is the weight, and the positive is the weight. Yeah. Because people who have been injured recently acquiring the same degree of shoulder girdle strength as people who got those heavy-duty stainless steel wheelchairs that lasted forever um, <laughs> until they rusted. But on the other hand, I'm trying to protect people's shoulders yeah. and throwing a heavy wheelchair in and out of a vehicle is a recipe for shoulder injury. So we have to weigh up one against the other and maybe use newer exercise techniques to get the same effects well, even even ruth as i as i get older too that you know aging with a disability and and finding a lot more adaptive equipment that's, that's making right. life that much more easier for an arm to pull your chair into the car you know yeah. i've got a front drive that maybe i don't need to get into the car and i can use my front driving get exactly. around town so there's exactly. so many more adaptive equipment to to make that more accessible and enjoyable and improve and, our and, quality but, of and life and for those who have difficulty now transferring into a vehicle 30 years ago there were few and far vans available and while they are still expensive in terms of adaptions there are many more of them around that people can use a hydraulic lifter to get themselves into the van and drive from their wheelchair or maybe just transfer onto the driver's seat. In both way, both enable them to save their shoulders. So that's, these are important. That's what was great when I worked at the rehab center here in town, yeah. uh, Jeff Strong, that yeah, a lot of the clients that were newly injured could get in and see me jump in and out of my car, that I still could drive, that I was still working, living independently and like, all right, yes. Because everybody who does incur your new spinal cord injury or new um, health issues that you're incurring and and it's like everybody's it's very it's a very tough time it's very dark and and it's great to so to show all right yes there still is a light at the end of the tunnel that things will get better and I'm glad that we could be part of that to you know showcase not just everyday living but also just get back into sport get mm. back you know start a family yes There's just get back to work and in fact one of my peer counselors peer advocates, a young woman who's just had her 30th birthday and became paraplegic 12 years or so ago and now has a little two-year-old and she is able to show 
other young women that you can be a mum in a wheelchair. And that isn't only reassuring to them and their partners, but also to their parents, because being a grandparent is almost more important than being a parent, you yeah. know? And, and so those are really important messages. But I was interested about this issue of people living in remote areas because I look after people who have spinal cord injuries and impairments living in remote Aboriginal communities in Northern Australia and Central Australia. One of my patients lives in a community in the northeastern Arnhem Land and does teaching in the schools. He was injured as a schoolboy, teaching art by getting the kids to do plasticine puppet models and then videotaping them to make their local stories, which they call their dreamings. And I have other uh, others who live in similar communities who are artists. They are able to sell their work and being able to actually be employed means that they can be independent and independent of pensions, independent to some extent of government if they don't want government help. And I think that's true here, that the ultimate in independence is being able to go out and earn money. And who cares how you get to your job? It's not the wheelchair that matters. It's what's above the eyebrows. It's always, bottom line, it's still always quality of life and just yes. what you're enjoying and we as humans will always, you know, really you learn from any of the obstacles or any of the challenges that you have as a younger person. And, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully you do learn from any situation that you've been. And, and that's same for me, that I've been able to grow from whatever I've learned in life. Yes. And so yes. any of those challenges, I've always say, yeah, they're not roadblocks, but they're just little speed bumps. And you've got to make your way around the speed bump and, and continue on and and so that's what many people in all different cultures and well, all countries. And, and it's not disability, but ability yeah. that works. Yeah, and, and it's great for any of the people that you worked with, yeah, to, of course, showcase, you know, the culture. Yes. And that's what's great yes. now. I was glad that I could share a bit of my culture here <laughs> at the ISCOS conference. And so it's great to get some of the local performers and to share some of their stories and some of their performances. And so it's always great to bring our worlds closer together. I agree, and it's been great talking to you. And I do love this city, and I love the country. And I look at the research that's been done into the lives of people who are Indigenous to their country and have had spinal cord injuries. And Canada is way ahead of Australia and New Zealand in actually publishing those papers and looking 
at the lived experience. The reality is that there are a lot of other countries that are doing a lot worse than we are, but it, Canada is really at the forefront, which is lovely. Yeah, and it's been great. I mean, that's why I'm here to hopefully continue that. And, and I always say there's always room for improvement. I'm glad to be part of that. And, and so, yeah, this is a great wrap up for the first day and it'll be great for the following days to follow. It sure will. Thanks, Ruth. Thank you for listening. We hope you are enjoying our Vancouver conversations. As always, we would love to hear from you. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can email them to admin at iscos.org.uk. And in more exciting news, we invite you to join us in person again in the beautiful city of Edinburgh, Scotland on the 8th through 11th, October 2023. We hope to see you there.